And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives, even unto death. Welcome to the Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. On the surface, Revelation 12 tells of a nightmarish conflict between a dragon, a woman, and a child. Underneath is an inspiring message of the victory of God. In this episode, Ryan and Mike first explore the story of Revelation 12 and then explain how its message gives hope of victory. Okay, Mike, so today we are getting into Revelation chapter 12. As you transition from Revelation to 11 to chapter 12, there is an obvious shift in the narrative because what we've already seen unfold in chapters 1 through 11 is this unveiling, this apocalypse of God's purpose from the first advent to the second. You have these major cycles of war, of judgment, of victory that God is unleashing because of the victory and ultimately the ascension of Christ. And you get into Revelation chapter 12, we now are going to see some backstory. Mm -hmm. We are going to see some of the backstory of the major characters that kind of were introduced as you get into the first few chapters. My way of thinking about Revelation chapter 12 is I see this as the chapter that is like Harry Potter book six, where you go into the pensive and you see the backstory of Voldemort. Mm -hmm. You've seen Voldemort already in books one through five, but you really don't know where he came from. Mm -hmm. You don't know why he is the way he is. But then Dumbledore takes Harry into the pensive and you get this backstory. That's really what John, I think, is going to do here, Mm -hmm. is John is going to introduce us to the villain of Mm -hmm. the book of Revelation, to this horrid evil that has swept across the cosmos, and that's going to be Revelation 12. So how about you get us into this chapter and tell us what's going on here? Absolutely. Alrighty. Um, Yeah, I I like the uh, um, Harry Potter analogy, so that works for me. We're into the pensive then. Um, Why don't we just start by reading this? And... um, just taking it in and then walk through the narrative and then we'll step back. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. And she was with child and she cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. It's probably worth me saying before I keep reading um, to, to, as we read, recall what we've been talking about all along with apocalyptic literature that we need to read and see these things unfold in our imaginations, see what John saw, hear what John heard, experience what John experienced, and then interpret that imagery and read that imagery in harmony with and in light of the scriptures, right? And so um, in resonance with the rest of the scriptures. And so that understanding that those other stories and visions are, are going to inform our meaning. So anyway, yeah. and, a little and, review, and a couple, but... right? A couple of Old Testament narratives really important that, that are leading up to this. Obviously, Daniel seven. Yeah. Daniel seven with the Son of Man and the victory. We're going to see that come into play in Revelation twelve through fourteen. Yeah. But also another important one for those that would really like to see the echoes of the Old Testament here. I would strongly recommend reading Micah chapters four and five. Mm. Much of the imagery that John is drawing from come from those two chapters of Micah, and you're now seeing that narrative that was there with the woman and the child yeah. now being played out and fulfilled into Jesus. So that's absolutely. what we're really seeing here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd add to that Israel in the wilderness, little bits of echoes there. Um, the, the garden, the curses in the garden. I'll put enmity between your seed and her Yeah, seed. pretty much. I, I would recommend Genesis 1 to Malachi 4. Would exactly. Would be a real good context <laughs> for reading yeah. this. Yeah. You guys would just go back and reread the, everything through through 
uh, Jude, you'd be good. Genesis and Jude, <laughs> be primed and ready yeah. to go for this chapter. All right. So, so I and just we're only ri- in verse two. So exactly. let's get back. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we see this woman. She's clothed with the sun. All this stuff. Then another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems, and his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that she gave birth, she might he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male who's to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels Yeah, Mike, can I stop okay, you there? Sure. Just, just, I, I want to yeah. make sure we do understand the narrative and the dramatic emphasis of what's mm-hmm. going on here. This is sure. terrifying. Yeah. I mean, here you have a woman who is about to give birth to a child, and immediately after the child is born, there is this horrid dragon mm-hmm. that is waiting to eat the child. Yeah. This is terrible. Absolutely. I mean, this... I mean, I, I don't have adjectives to tr- properly describe how tragic this is, mm-hmm. but when you read this, you immediately should recognize whatever or whoever this red dragon with seven heads and ten horns is, this is as nasty as any creature can yeah. get. But you already see, spoiler alert, in verses five and six, whew, the child is safe. Yeah, The child is safe. It's caught up to heaven. Now, as you get into the rest of the chapter, it's going to be unpacked a little bit what's going on here. So get, get us back into verse 7. Yeah. All right. So uh, there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, for there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who's called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth with his angels, thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb, because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devils come down to you having great wrath, knowing he has a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth. He persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male, but the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly into the wilderness to a place where she was nourished for a time, times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman. The earth opened it, its mouth and drank up the river which the dragon poured out of his mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So like you said, this is, this is the origin story. This is the backstory where we've seen this, the, the drama of Revelation unfold in these two cycles of seven so far, but this is the chance where the, the pace changes. We step back and we go back a little farther in the story to see what's really been going on behind the scenes leading up to this. And so we're introduced to three characters the woman, the dragon, and the male child in particular. Um, and we can start with the the most, the easiest referent here, the, the yeah, male Mike, child. Yeah, before, Mike, before you start interpreting, okay. can you in your own words just tell us, you have three main characters here, sure. the woman, the child, the dragon. 
Tell us in Revelation 12, what's the narrative there? Just re- recap that for us yeah, in 30 okay. seconds. Yeah, the, there's a, there's a w- pregnant woman about ready to give birth, and there's this horrid, monstrous dragon that's ready to devour the child when she gives birth. The woman gives birth, and the child is rescued, caught up to heaven, and the, the woman herself is able to escape and get into the wilderness. And then you see this scene shift and this wars taking place and breaking out in heaven. And it's a, in, in the narrative itself, is in, you know, sort of explaining and interpreting the events we just saw. And then you see um, that, that the, the effects of this war, the dragon's been thrown down from heaven to the earth, and he's angry and enraged. And, and wants to go after, he couldn't get the child, so he's going to go after the woman and trying to persecute her. He couldn't overcome the woman, and so now, even more enraged, he's going to, to um, make war against the rest of her children. Very good, yeah. And I think it's just important for us to keep that base narrative in our minds here, because you're about to take us into some interpretation, which is very helpful, but we also don't need to lose this story that is told here in Revelation mm-hmm. chapter 12, because it's very powerful. Yeah. I think especially once you understand who the woman is, what the dragon is, et cetera, it is very powerful. So, so go ahead and take us then. Who do you see this woman as? Sure. Well, let's, start, let's actually start with the child, because those, those, are, those are, the I think, the clearest anchor points in the text by the allusion sure, to Psalm 2. But you, you, look, at, you look at what's said about the, the son or the child, and this is the male who's to rule all nations with a rod of iron, right? It is verse clear, five. Yeah, yeah, clear reference to uh, Psalm two and and the Messiah, the Son of David, Messiah figure, who's who is is Christ. Um, the 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 great red dragon is described a little bit later. He's told explicitly in in verse nine. This is the serpent of old, who's called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, right? And so then from there. We get to the woman, and there's different different ideas about who this woman is. Yeah, before is. you get to the woman, let me just also make yeah. one note about that. I think it's sure. interesting. When you look at Genesis 3, there is this cunning serpent that appears out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Nowhere, nowhere earlier in the Bible does it clearly tell us who that serpent is until you get to Revelation 12. Yeah. This is an unveiling. Mm-hmm. You know, there's hints and illusions that this serpent is a adversary-like figure, mm-hmm. but now this is an unveiling of this heavenly reality of yeah. what's been going on on earth all, all along. And remember, mm-hmm. this is that apocalyptic idea yeah. where you have this unveiling, this apocalypse of a heavenly reality that's been being played out down on earth. So here you have, just to recap where we are, this child is a reference to Jesus. We know that through Old Testament language. The dragon is a reference to the serpent, the adversary, the devil. He has many names, but he is the enemy of God's people. Who then is the woman? Yeah, I think I think we could just say most broadly that this, the woman is a reference to the people of God as a as a whole. Um, you, you see references or, or you know, the, the imagery, you know, draws our attention to language that's applied to Israel. You know, the, the, the imagery draws on language that's applied to Eve, right, as a representative of humanity. Um, and so I, I think we're on pretty safe ground to see the woman drawing on different images representing the, the, the people of God. Um, and, it's, and it's from this woman that this ruling child comes, right? And again, there's a lot of lines of connection that are drawn throughout the Bible here. Well, what would you say to someone who says this is a reference to Mary? Um you know, help, help me see that in, in scripture. I, I, again, but well, actually here, here let me, th- that's not, that, I don't think that's 
terrible. I wouldn't I wouldn't restrict it to that though. <laughs> it's not good, but it's not terrible. No, well, you That's know, what I'm, you know yeah, what I'm saying. Like be, because, of, um, yeah, I, I I should have I should have thought through uh, that you would ask this question ahead of time. I just hadn't been. I hadn't been on that wavelength for a little while. Um, I don't think that's a terrible thing. I just wouldn't press that. It's. I think it's missing a lot of layers. I guess would be yeah. the sh shortest answer. Is is that I think it's missing some things to restrict this to literal Mary, um, and and yeah, maybe and add some Testament weird things and all that stuff. Yeah, two Old Testament texts that have been very helpful to me. The first is that Micah four and five that I mentioned earlier, where you see the people of God pictured as a woman in much of the language that is used here. But I think the second one, and, and this is, you already alluded to this, references to Eve, mm -hmm. what you see in Revelation 12 is a playing out of Genesis 3.15, where the seed of woman will stamp out the beast, the serpent. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what is being fulfilled here. Genesis 3.15 is now coming to pass yeah, through absolutely. the victory of Christ. That, that's exactly right. And remind me to come back to the Genesis 3.15 point later. Okay. We'll not, do. not just yet, but, but let's come back to that later. Cause that's exactly okay. right. Um, okay. So, so Mike, that's the story of revelation 12. Yeah. Take us into some of the theology of this chapter. So what, it's a great story, but what's it about? Yeah. So at, at the, the heart of this chapter, what we're seeing here is a picture of the cross, right? This it's used in this language of war and, and victory and conquest and all that sort of thing. But notice Notice as, as that war is being described, right, in, in verses 7 through 10, or 7 through 9, right, notice the, the effects of this war. As, as the serpent of old, Satan, the devil, it, it, who deceives the whole world, there's no longer a place found for, for him in heaven, right? So what, what's, what's being said? Now the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and authority of his Christ have come, and the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He accuses them before our God day and night, right? And so just in, in sort of pop culture, um, Christian circles at large, uh, this sort of idea of Satan's fall from heaven is, is so often just sort of linked to some pre-creation or early... It's what I call Genesis 2.5. Exactly, yeah. Some, you end Genesis 2, men and women are blissfully in the garden. Genesis 3, the serpent comes out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. There has been no shortage of material that humans have made that try to come up with the Genesis 2.5. Yeah. And 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 but just understand like this text doesn't doesn't go there, right? We, we and and so we have to sort of let that fall narrative out of our minds long enough to see okay, this fall here here was a time when he had a place in heaven to accuse, right? And that's that's the key here. The accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. But but this through this war, that accuser has lost his place. And so it says, now that salvation, now that power, now that kingdom of our God, the authority of his Christ have come. When did that happen? The, the, the Gospels, uh, the letters of Paul, John's ri earlier writings are emphatic that that happened on the cross, right? Absolutely, Jesus, yeah. I mean, Jesus John, 12, John 12, 1 John yeah. 2, yeah. Colossians 2, 14, 15, I mean, there's so yeah. many passages that look at that, yeah. Absolutely. And so then... When we stop and think about that for a second, and and remember, we saw the same kind of language back in Revelation five, right? That we see this victorious lion, and we look, up. Yes. and he's the lamb that's standing slain. And the same thing's going on here. We see this war and conquest imagery, but it's another apocalyptic vision for what's going on on the cross. And and 
Again, that's what's so, to me, so remarkable about Revelation and the message of Revelation is that victory happens, conquest happens, overcoming happens, but how does it happen as the, as the slain the cross. lamb? Right? Yes, and, and, and going back to something you said earlier, it's interesting the woman goes out to the wilderness. This is taking us back to the Exodus, mm-hmm. where Pharaoh, who yeah. you see allusions to him in the trumpets, mm-hmm. this Pharaoh-type adversary is cast down. He's defeated. Like in Exodus chapter 12 into 14, Pharaoh and the forces of darkness were defeated. God has defeated the adversary. God has defeated the serpent. God has defeated evil and darkness and everything that is going to unleash its horrid face against God's good creation. But how has he done it? Yeah. Through the blood of the Son. Absolutely. Through his sacrifice. And because of the victory of the cross that you see in Revelation 5, now come full circle in Revelation 12, it's through the cross victory has come. And and let's, before before we leave this point, let's just really flesh this out at a practical level too. Because we, um, I mean, it's just all around us. It's the the history of humanity, and it's still so embedded in our culture, this like, you know, macho John Wayne, you know, shoot them up, strong victory kind of picture, right? That it's through power, through force that that things happen. Samson and, syndrome. Exactly. And, yep. and the gospel of the kingdom of God subverts that and revolutionizes that and says, no, no, no. It's through the greatest among you shall be your servant, right? Yeah, I mean, Use look at verse 11. First. They have conquered. That's a military term. It is, yeah. They have conquered... By the blood of the Lamb. That's right. Jesus has defeated darkness by refusing to play into the means of darkness. Yeah. Jesus has defeated the adversary by refusing to even enter the game that the adversary has been playing. Mm -hmm. The adversary has been using violence and conflict and enmity and strife to accomplish his means. Jesus is now beating it by using a term you use many times, by subverting it. Jesus has now defeated the adversary by even refusing to play by the adversary's rules. Absolutely. So why don't we then—so we've we've got this victorious, crucified being, right? Victory through crucifixion, victory through death is is a major point in Revelation 12. Christus Victor. Christus Victor. Christus Victor, yes. The the other thing I want to— I think this is worth us pausing on, is that idea of overcoming in verse 11. We've talked about that in some of our introduction episodes, but hear this again. They overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life when faced with death. This is one of those, again, uh, adrenaline-pumping verses that says, okay, here are the people of God who would have been overcome by this great dragon, right? His power is greater than our power. We, we have no ability on our own to, to fight him. Yet, they're conquering. How? By the blood of the Lamb, by yeah. the word of their testimony. And, and then here's, here's the yeah, thing. Absolutely. They did not love their life even when faced with death. This goes on to, we were talking earlier about that passage in Paul. That's what Paul says, right? You can, I'm, I'm not only ready to be bound in Jerusalem, but also to die, right? Like, that's what's sure. going on here with the saints. Um, and, and, and uh, earlier we are talking about Genesis 3.15, right? That idea that, that he will bruise your head and you will bruise his, his heel. That idea of the, the, the victory over the serpent through the seed of woman. And we see that taking place through this Messiah 
right? But now notice it's also the Messiah people who are also crushing the Absolutely. head of the And we yes. see that, in, Paul makes yes. that point exactly in Romans 16, but we see it here in Revelation 12 as well. And so it's, it's Jesus' victory through surrender, through humility, through giving, through dying, that then gives us the ability and the power to follow him in that same path of humility and giving and surrender and even death if need be. Yeah, no, Mike, th th thank you for taking us through this chapter, because this is, I think, one of the most empowering chapters of the it Bible, is. really. It is. Really showing us what it means to be a cross people. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to say? I have one final tie-in to close this out on. No, I'll, I'll tee it up to you. Well, you know, this whole time we've been talking in this podcast about your God reigns. Mm -hmm. That is the gospel message. And I think when you get to Revelation 12, what we see is a, is a more complete version of this. Mm -hmm. Before this, the forces of darkness have been reigning. Yes. The, the adversary has been accusing in the mm -hmm. heavenly realm, yet now Jesus has defeated death. Jesus has defeated darkness. He has defeated sin. Because of his sacrifice and his humiliation and his love, all of those evil forces have been overcome. The adversary no longer reigns, but Jesus and all who are in him mm -hmm. and all who live with Christ are reigning. Yes. And that's the message of Isaiah 52, 7, which is... Your God reigns. Your God reigns. Thanks for listening to the Gospel According to Podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Next time, what if our worst nightmares left our imaginations and took over the world? This is the story of Revelation 13. Yet amidst these visions, God is giving hope to His people and wisdom to life amidst trials. Join Ryan and Mike as they explore this unlucky chapter. Don't miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns.